0: Well, thank you. Well, that's a lot going on this Christmas. Did you enjoy the worship and the orchestra, the choir? That was unbelievable. It was good to hear them. Well, since Jonathan already preached my sermon, um, let's, let's have some fun, okay? So with so much fake news, makeup news, let's talk about what really happened Christmas. So to, to do that little quiz, I need a, a helper. Is, is Mark Henderson here? Yeah, yeah. Come on, Mark. Yeah, I need you up here. I got a mic for you. I had a mic. Mark, you can get all the help from the audience you want. You know, I'll even give you a, a voice. Yeah, you can call someone if you need help. Let's welcome Mark. Yeah. Mark's a high school history teacher, so she should have no problem at all, shouldn't he? This is not a setup, Mark. This is really love, you know, as brothers. So here we go, Mark. First question should be up on the screen. It's an easy one. Was Jesus born December 25th? No. What day was he born? April 12th. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, <dang. laughs> <laughs> That's a teacher. You just, if you say it, you just know, people would believe you. Right. Yeah, we don't know, do we? But we all celebrate <laughs> December 25th. Yes. But they didn't celebrate Christmas till around 300 or something like that. So that was a fairly easy one. You didn't need any help.
1: Good.
0: Okay, second one. How many wise men came to see Jesus at the manger? Uh,
1: we don't know. Three. Well, we don't know.
0: Well, which one is it? We don't know. We don't they know. three gifts. Help him out. Okay, this is a pretty sharp. They brought three gifts. three gifts. That's right. So, in your nativity, in your living room, how many wise men are there? Three. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on to the next no, one. No, to
1: be fair, my wife put it up though.
0: Oh, we're kicking it down there. there. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Sleeping on the sofa tonight. All right, number three. What did the angels sing to the shepherds?
1: Glory to God in the highest? I'm gambling there. No?
0: It's a trick question.
1: They didn't sing, did they?
0: Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. It said they said glory to God in the highest. They, They might have sang... But we don't know if they sang. So okay. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, that's okay. it's a carol. Okay, fourth one. You're not doing bad. Are we, have you got one right yet? Uh, yeah, got Yeah. yeah. okay, a lot of them right. <laughs> <Stand>? <laughs> okay, number four. What animals were around the manger from the Bible text? Wow. Hmm. You can get a lifeline.
1: Come on, Seth, <laughs> help me out. I was thinking donkey, but I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, why would you say that? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: did my Sunday school here.
0: Actually, in the text, <laughs> yeah. there are no animals mentioned. I was at all, yeah. In Your fa- wife said donkey, though. Uh, no. <laughs> no, she did. Did she? I looked at her. <laughs> we did this sermon this morning. No, no. We. <laughs> When someone asked her this morning, didn't you hear the sermon? She goes, I don't want to hear it twice. So, um, <laughs> so she, yeah, she comes to the, Anyway, that was funny, but it not. Okay, all right. No, there are no, no animals mentioned, except one that Tim may mention next Sunday in Revelation 12.4. If you're real curious, Revelation 12.4, there's an animal mentioned at the birth of Jesus. But other than that, okay. none of that we... Well, let's thank Mark. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> there you. Are. Well, a story that happened 2,000 years ago can can get kind of of fuzzy. What did happen? How can a prophet's words of 3,000 years ago in Israel make any impact on a young woman in the O.C.? What is the story? Well, today we're going to look at a story because all good stories are long stories, so this started a long time ago. But we're going to look at the Christmas story from the lens of of waiting on God waiting on God now I don't want you to miss that theme because many of you are waiting you're waiting for God to find you you're waiting to come to God you're waiting for an answer to prayer for a job for healing for going home to be with the Lord soon you're waiting to be free from an addiction. You're, you're, you're waiting for the return of a son or a daughter. You're waiting for the salvation of a parent. Waiting. We all have longings like the prophet mentioned. And one of our longings is waiting. Things aren't happening like we want them to happen. And the story of Christmas is one of waiting. And it starts at the very beginning. Where the Creator, the triune God... Of all that is, all the universes, and there's what, 13 or 14 we found so far? Massive. He creates on one planet man in his own image with a free will so that he can commune with him. He can connect with him, have relationship with him. And man, from that earliest story till now, decides, I want to do it my way. (laughs) Have you heard that before? Heard that from our kids a few times. Where I want to do it my way. And you look at your son or your daughter going to do something and you know it's going to end up real bad and they say, I'm doing it my way. And you just, ah, and that's how God felt. And that's what sin is. It's saying to God, I'm going to do it my way. Sin is not just not doing a list of don'ts. Sin is missing the mark, breaking that relationship with the living God. And and that, that sin infects all of us. And from that sin of Adam, even today we see it among ourselves, our families, our neighbors. We have this longing against God. We want to do it our way. Now, most of us probably think, ah, we're not that big a sinner. You know, I mean, really, what do I do? I I, I watch, you know, Snapped, or or, uh, there are big people out there to do bad things. Not me. It reminded me of a story of a, just before Christmas, a judge was in a happy mood. He asked the prisoner who was in court, what are you charged with? The prisoner replied, doing my Christmas shopping too early. Well, that's no crime, said the judge. "Just how early were you doing the shopping? Before the store opened, the prisoner said. Well, yeah, you know, kind of. We're not that bad, right? We, we resonate with the river in Egypt. We're in denial. I'm not that not that bad in my life. Well, we play it down. We try to ignore. I remember raising our kids. We tried to share with them the consequences of sin and that when sin, you make those decisions, it just entraps you and it keeps you down. And, and one day we were sitting in the living room and the, uh, the kids wanted to watch a movie. And the movie was inappropriate from our point of view. It had some bad bad stuff in it. And they argued. Well, of course, he's a lawyer now, so it worked out. But he just was was arguing. I want to see it. I can see it. I want to see it. And so Suzanne in her motherly brilliance says, I'll tell you what, I'll make some brownies. And in the brownies, I'm just going to put a little bit of poop. Just a little bit. You'll eat them, won't you? No, but that's like sin, right? It gets in. It infects us. That's why... What's that? Wasn't that true? Yeah, so true. Okay, yeah. Hmm. That's sin. And so that's the story, the story of a creator who loved his, his creation, who wants relationship. The story of mankind saying, I'm going to do it my way. That sin comes in. It causes pain in our lives, and yet God has a plan. And if you're new to Christianity, you look at the table of contents in the Bible, and it outlines the plan. Genesis means beginning, and that's the beginning where God starts looking for mankind, and he does it through a people. He calls Abraham to himself and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of all nations. Through you, all nations will be blessed, and through you, I'm going to develop a people. And so he did a people, the people of Israel, and the people of Israel were to be the light and show people how to come to God, so they had the law. law that called, that called them to be separate so they looked different, but the law also that helped them live in a healthy way, in a good way, in an honorable way. But the people, ah, we're people, I'm going to do it my way. And the children of Israel had judges that said hey this is the way to do things and judge the people people didn't listen it said in the period of judges where people did what was right in their own eyes seven times you read that in the book of judges people did that what was right in their own eyes like we do today and so the kings god gave them a king and we had a whole series of kings that would be more regal that would be able to help them walk in the way of god And the kings themselves were evil. Israel had 21 bad kings. Judah had one good king. They didn't... mm, They led the people wrong. And God sent prophets. And the prophets came and they were like Ryan here. They, they, They were... Had a tough message telling people to repent, come back to himself. There's a Messiah coming, and there was this waiting for when is the Messiah coming? I don't believe you. You're a prophet, but it's not coming. The deliverer is not here. They were misunderstood, and prophets can be. Reminding me a story of Billy Graham as a young pastor, he was walking down Highland Street in Mount Holly, North Carolina. And he was on his way to hospital to visit someone from his church. He was in a hurry. He wanted to mail a package. So he looked at this little guy and he said, could you t- help me find the post office? And the boy directed him to find the post office. He found the post office. And, but Reverend Graham, before he left, said, now, I just want you to know that if you'll come to church this evening, you can hear me telling everyone how to get to heaven. And the little boy looked at him and said, I think I'll pass on your sermon. If you don't even know your way to the post office, I'm not going to take your <laughs> advice on heaven. <laughs> well, that's that. The prophets misunderstood. Like, really? You don't look good. You don't smell good. You're saying kind f- of funny things. Why would I believe you? But there were prophecies saying a Messiah was coming, that the Messiah was going to come from the tribe of Judah in Genesis 49. 49. He was going to come from a descendant of a man named Jesse in Isaiah 11, a descendant of King David in Jeremiah 23. He was going to come from virgin birth, Isaiah 7, and from Bethlehem in Micah. All these prophecies were saying their Messiah is coming. And then after Micah says that, there's 400 silent years where there are no prophets. And the people wait they wait. Where is the Messiah? They have longings. They have pain. They're waiting. They're living in captivity. They've they've had um, good times. They've had bad times. But where is this Messiah? And after 400 silent years, we're in Luke chapter 1, where all of a sudden, God sends a messenger. Now, next Sunday, Tim's going to talk about the the birth of Christ. So we're going to talk about Zacharias, the birth of John the Baptist. Because that's the beginning of the Christmas events for happening at that time. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, after 400 years of silence, we read this. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Now look at this couple. God hadn't spoken for 400 years. They had the Torah. They had the law. They had the stories of God speaking, but yet they were still faithful. They were still diligent. They were still righteous. He was a priest trying to talk to people about God, making sacrifices for people. But they had a longing. Where's the Messiah? And they had another longing in verse 7. And they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. They had one request. God, we want a child. Nothing. But then in verse 13, an angel comes to them. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, For your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give his name John and you will have joy and gladness. And this is huge. Here, they're going to get their longing, what they've longed for. But more than that, a Messiah is coming. If you look in verse 19, it talks about the angel, which is something unique to the Christmas story. The angel answered and said to him, that's when Zachariah said, No, I'm too old. I don't think it can happen. The angel said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Now, that's a powerful verse. When's the last time they heard of Gabriel? Gabriel spoke to Daniel. Now, that's a little freaky. Gabriel hasn't aged, right? Gabriel's an angel, he's an angel, a real being working in the courts of God. He's standing in the court of God. He is in an actual place. He is sent from God on a mission. He has an actual purpose, and he speaks good news. That's amazing. Gabriel, who also spoke to Mary and Elizabeth, speaks to Zacharias in a real setting, not a dream. Now, we all have dreams. I have dreams. You know, most of my dreams are short-term. I'm on a short-term mission. And most of them aren't going well. (laughs) I don't know why. Um, Or I'm on a bike ride, and that's not going well either. But the wait is over. The angel appears and says, the wait is over. The Christmas story is about the wait is coming to an end. The angel gives great news. Great news that they're going to have a son, and this son is going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Now, Zacharias is silent for eight months, nine months. God said, I'm going to touch your tongue because you didn't believe, and you doubted me. You're going to be quiet for nine months. When the baby's born, you name him John, and you'll get your speech back. On the day the baby's born, they say, what shall we name him? He writes down his name will be John, and he speaks for the first time. It must have been quiet around that house. I better not go there. Uh, Verse 68, here's what he speaks. It's called the Benedictus. This is really a praise that Zacharias prays, and it's a wonderful view of God, and the silence is over. He says, "'Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption.'" his people. There's a 180 turnaround right there for Zacharias by saying, God, it won't be done. Now he's saying, blessed be God, the redemption is coming. I get it. And in verse 69, he says, I have raised up, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Now that's an interesting phrase, a horn of salvation. We have the names of Christ kind of in the outside, in the spine of the church, the plaza. But I don't think we have the horn of salvation up there, do we, Katie? I don't think it's up there. The horn of salvation, you're thinking, wow, it must be one of these brass horns, right? Jesus is the nice sounding music of the world. But 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 that's not what it is. As you go in the Old Testament, it talks about the horn of salvation being the horn of a wild ox. We read in Isaiah, or in Psalm 18 where it's my shield and my horn of salvation. This horn of a wild ox, it shows power, that the Messiah is coming with power, with strength that can destroy the enemies. The horn of a wild ox, that's the picture of the coming Messiah. Now, most of us aren't farmers, right? We haven't been around the horn of a wild ox, have we, anybody? I know one person, well, two my, my dad and my son. So we sent our son, he, he was in law school and he went to The Hague to study for a semester. We thought he was studying. So he calls up one day and he says, Hey, dad, it's my birthday tomorrow. I just want to let you and mom know I'm going to be running with the bulls tomorrow. <laughs> oh, really? are you over 21? Yeah, I'm over 21. So he ran with the bulls. He got the little white outfit on, the red um, neckerchief, was given lessons on how to run with the bulls. They said, as long as you're not drunk and you're not American, you'll be all right. They're the only ones that get hurt. So he went ahead and he, he ran with the bulls and he said, I've never been more scared in my life. I would never do that again. What was I doing out there? And, and that's, that's that, that strength he felt in front of a bull. And Zacharias is saying the same thing. This Messiah that's coming, he's the horn of salvation. He can destroy all our enemies. All the things that fight against us, all the things that war against us, all the things that entrap us, the horn of salvation can free us. In verse 70, he goes on, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy towards our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. The wait is over. He's remembering the covenant. The wait is over. The oath which He swore to to Abraham our father. Verse 74, to grant that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness, righteousness before Him all the days of our lives That's what God has come to do. Not only to free us, but that we can serve him all the days of our lives. This creator God who created everything, who formed us in our mother's womb, who's given us life, says, I'm going to give you freedom so that you can serve me and live the good life that I'm calling you to live. In verse 75 or verse 76, he says, and you, child, John, 76 and 77 are the two verses he addresses to his own son, John. The rest are about Messiah. He says, A new child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his way, and we know John the Baptist did, to give his people what? The knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. What we have in the Messiah is forgiveness from our sin that rebellious spirit we have of saying, no, I'm going to do it my way, that stain of sin, that rebellion of acts of inaction and action, that comes away as he forgives us our debt. Do you know what a big debt is? Have you been forgiven a big debt? I wasn't going to share this story, but it came out this morning, so I have to share it again because I hadn't told my wife, and I got in trouble, so... I remember walking from the post office three years ago, post office, the box out front, Walk into my garage, oh, there's a letter from the IRS. I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe they want me to be a chaplain or something, right. <laughs> Open the letter. It says, Daniel Crane, you owe us $223,000. Man, wow. I was a little stunned. I didn't think I could owe him any money. I mean, you know, but you don't want to get that kind of letter. So it worked out in a few days that it, wasn't, it was an error on their part. Oh, the relief. Really? That's great. That's wonderful. And that's what we get with the Messiah. The debt that we have because of our sin is erased. That's what salvation is that erase that that freedom from sin that freedom that forgiveness from sin in verse 78 it goes on to say because of the tender mercies of our god with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us it's another term of christ the sunrise from on high now that's a new thing isn't it the sunrise from on high He's called the sunrise in several passages in Malachi 4:2. The sun will rise with healing in his wings. The wait is over. In Isaiah 9:2. People will walk, they will see the light, the light will shine on them. There's something about the sunrise, the sun of righteousness, the great light. The wait is over in that we have a Messiah. He's coming to forgive us. He's coming not only to forgive us, but to give us light. To guide us. He will lighten us. He will tell us the way to go. That's what Zacharias saw. It's over. The wait is over. So the gift of Christmas is not the gifts we get under the tree, but the gift that God is watching you. And the story of Christmas is the wait is over, the longings, the waiting, God will be there with us in that. It's so easy to miss the message of Christmas. I read a story of the Wright brothers in 1903. After many attempts, they finally got their plane to fly. And they, after they got off the ground, they telegraphed a message to their sister Catherine that said this, we have actually flown 120 feet, we'll be home for Christmas. Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper, showed him the message. He glanced at it and said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. <laughs> he missed something. <laughs> he missed flight that it happened. We can miss the good news that God is wanting to forgive you and to give you light in your path, to be with you in the longing and the waiting that you're in we can miss it. We can think, ah, no, I got it. I, I, I got it. Not fully aware of our state. Remember three years ago, two years ago, actually, I was probably in the best shape of my life, pear-shaped, but it's a shape. I'd been riding my bike a lot. From home to the beach was 50 miles, I could do that. And so I'd just done the Brea Hills one afternoon and after I was coming, just, you know, that endorphins, you're feeling great, coming down the hill, coming down the street to my house, because it's kind of downhill, I'm going a little fast. And there's cars lined up along the right and the left. And I see a car pulling out of a driveway behind a car. I don't think they could see me, but it was too late. And um, as they pulled out, all I could do was scream. And I thought that was appropriate. Um, I think the only, yeah, that's all I could do. And so I hit the side of the car, bounced over the hood, landed on the asphalt, slid on my face, and um, kind of woke up there. Things got a little brighter after a while. And so I crawled off to the, the the road into the, the sidewalk, just sitting there, and um, people were coming around. And, you know, they were, the way they were looking at me, I realized I didn't have a pretty face anymore. Not like I ever had one. But they were kind of like, oh, dear. And someone gave me water, which I thought, well, that's great, they think I'm going to live. And uh, someone brought a towel, they called the paramedics, and they wanted to take me on a $500 ride to St. Jude. And I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I got it. I got it. I can, I can get home. I just want to walk home, take my bike, take a bath. I'll be good before my wife comes home. That'd probably be a good thought. And so um, they said, no, 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 Anyway, I called my wife on the phone and said, you were at a venue where we were trying to get our w- daughter's wedding aligned up. And um, you said, can I talk to the paramedics? I said, yeah, absolutely. So they talked to the paramedics. As an ER nurse, she goes, is he combative? And they look at me and they say, yes. (laughs) And I said, I want to go home. They said, we want to take in the ambulance. That's combative. I don't get it. That's how I talk at home. I don't want to do it. So so as soon as they say combative, what do they say? Oh, you got a brain injury. Boom. Within seconds, I'm taped down to a board. Tim Colomb, I see you over there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. My head taped down uh, in the back of an ambulance, taking a bumpy ride. My blood pressure is going up. They say, sir, your blood pressure is going up. I said, my head's taped to a board. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I said, if you take the tape off, give me a pillow. I'll be good. So they did. And they said, but we'll have to retape it when we go in the, the, the emergency room because you've got to be taped. I said, that's good. Is that legal, Tim? Probably not. But anyway, I got in and I had surgery uh, after that, you know, and everything was fine. But at least I thought it was fine. But right I just in that state of mind, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I was missing the bigger picture. That's why we have wives or spouses. Sometimes they give us the, the bigger picture. The Christmas story is the big picture. This is our holiday. We get to celebrate the coming of the Messiah into our longings, into our needs. The Christmas story, sometimes is hard to assess where we're at because life is fast-paced and messy. We're in a reckless society at this point. We need God, but we don't want him to interrupt our lives. We have eyes, but we're not seeing. We have ears, but we're really not listening to God. We are impatient. The Christmas story in this busy time is to say, slow down, slow down. God wants our attention. The nativity, right before Christ's birth. Everything was going wrong. It was a bad night. Can you imagine? It's dusty in Bethlehem. It's freezing cold in Bethlehem. It's crowded in Bethlehem. All these people coming back to register. People are upset because they had to go back. Rome told them to go back. There's no room to sleep. It's just a miserable night. And along the road is a pregnant Jewish girl who's a teenager. I mean, that was a bad night. Now, that wasn't how it was supposed to happen. When we think the coming of the King of Kings, God the Son into earth, we think, wow, this is going to be great. Zacharias probably thought in nine months, wow, my son and Jesus, it's going to be a great thing. Mary probably thought after she heard from the, Gabriel the angel, nine months, it's going to be wonderful. The king is She never thought. I don't think she would be in that difficult spot, giving birth in a stable, placing Jesus in a feeding trough for animals. It was all wrong. But yet it was all right. It was exactly how God had planned it what Mary, what Joseph, what others thought, oh, this, no, God was there. They had waited a long time, and even in this waiting of pain, of finding a place, God was there. And it's a lesson to us wherever we are today, wherever we find ourselves in pain, in loss, in confusion, God is there. He's our creator. He's the lover of our souls. He's the one who died for your sin. He's saying, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. So we wait. Christmas is about waiting. Whatever you're facing, God is with you. It's going to be okay. We know the rest of the story. It's a tremendous story of God coming to earth. God with us. God is calling us to to trust him, to depend on him. And we can do that. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this this story. We know it. We, We know it. But yet, ah, we don't live it. We forget it. We do it our way. We need a Savior. We need forgiveness. So we come with our sin to you today. Forgive us our sin, Father. Forgive us our sin. Forgive us we sin against other people. Father, guide our steps as you have promised. Be the Son in our lives. Guide our families, our kids, our parents, our siblings. Be the son to them. Father, this Christmas season, we enter it with joy, with gladness, with hope, because people waited, and you have arrived. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's sing that little chorus um, from O Come, All You Faithful. O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Yeah. The chorus: Oh, come, let us adore!
1: Oh, come, let us adore! Oh, come, let us adore!
0: Him,
1: Christ.
0: for He alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy.
1: For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. Cry.
0: And as the shepherds did, we'll give him all the glory
1: we'll
0: give
1: him all the glory we'll give him all the glory we'll give him all the